0: Hello and welcome to a very unorthodox episode of the Roll Credits Podcast. Um, I don't have AJ with me here today, um, because he's been quite busy with some schoolwork and stuff like that. Um, And because of that, he hasn't seen a lot of the movies that I'm going to talk about today. I'm pretty much going to recap everything I've seen from September till about mid-December, with a couple caveats here and there for movies that I haven't seen. Um, so, there's going to be a lot of stuff that's covered in this episode, quite briefly. I'm not really going to go into spoilers for anything, or talk about anything too in-depth. Um, and there's a couple of reasons for that, is mostly just because I'd like to kind of give quick summaries, and then move on. Um, and kind of let people know where they can actually see these movies, because trying to track down how to watch some of these was quite... Difficult um, and kind of figuring out exactly when some of them are releasing and then which ones are in theaters and which ones are on HBO Max and which ones are on what streaming service. And wait, okay, this movie's made by this company, but I guess it'll be on this streaming service, but wait, no, it's in theaters. Like, it's very confusing. Um, There's a couple movies I haven't actually seen so far this year. I haven't seen The Card Counter. Um, I have not seen uh, James Bond yet. I have not seen um, Licorice Pizza, because it's not playing in my area yet. Um, And I haven't seen um, French Dispatch, just because of the timing. Because I think that movie was only out in theaters for a week or two around me. Um, And then I haven't seen uh, The Lost Daughter... And I haven't seen Mass or The Tragedy of Macbeth. Those are kind of, or The Last Duel. Those are kind of the big ones. Um, Those are the ones that I somehow just, they kind of skipped me by. Um, And I just didn't, I just didn't end up seeing them. Um, But uh, yeah, we might as well go into it. Um, I'm recording this on the 17th of December. So this will be have been a day after I have seen Spider-Man No Way Home. Um, I'm not going to spoil anything uh, because I think it's a movie that is best said or best kept um, to as little knowledge as possible. So I'm not even going to really beat on any plot points. I'm just going to talk about um, kind of my score. Um, I think that this is one of the most special theater experiences I've had probably in my life. Um, because it was a packed theater, the first showing in my area, um, and people were pretty, normally when that sort of thing happens, you get a lot of, like, weird fanboys and people talking the entire time during the movie, and there are a couple people off to the side that would say stuff or, you know, whatever, um, at, you know, times, and you would miss, like, a line of dialogue here and there, but that's, whenever a theater's so packed, um, that's kind of what happens. There were, uh, They had to come in multiple times and, like, assign people to their seats. There were only two seats in the entire theater that weren't, um, filled, which was, ironically, two of them. One of them was on the right of me, um, and then the other one was, like, very, very down in the bottom left, and then everything else was filled. Um, so it was, uh, it was interesting, but, um... Just having that communal response to a movie, um, and like having everyone back in a theater, because since I saw nineteen seventeen, there really hasn't been a movie that's full. Um, and even then, that that theater was only packed about fifty percent. But you know, that was all the way back in December of twenty nineteen, and I've I've seen movies in theaters since then, like Candyman and The Green Knight and stuff like that, Venom too um, House of Gucci, and they're, at the most, they're maybe packed 25-35%, um, this is gonna be really awkward to record, because AJ's not here to fill time when I'm taking drinks or breathing, take a drink every time I drink, we'll make that into a game, um, but it was just fun, I mean, there's, sometimes there's movies that you judge on the technical aspect, and then performance and all that, and you kinda know what you're getting into whenever you go into it but um, Spider-Man's just pure fun and was just such an enjoyable experience. There's a lot of technicality behind it. Um, there's a lot of interesting you know, surprises and stuff like that. Um, I hadn't seen some of the promotional stuff, so I, I didn't really know the extent of how many villains were in there. I'd obviously seen like memes and stuff of Willem Dafoe, but I wasn't really in on leaks and stuff. And I, To be honest, I really... Once a movie announced, I kind of know whether or not I'm going to see it. Um, and something as big as Spider-Man, especially for the podcast, I'm, I'm going to see it, especially being a massive Spider-Man fan. But I'll leave it at that. Um, I'm sure once AJ sees it, I think he's going to watch it later tonight or tomorrow. Um, we'll probably do an episode going into full spoilers, which will be probably about 30 minutes long or so. So um, for Spider-Man, I'm feeling like a four and a half out of five. Um, I'd be really, really surprised if it wasn't in my top 10 at the end of the year. Um, I just, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was, I thought it was really, really enjoyable and, and, uh, you know, it was just nice to have that again, have that back. That was, that was like a Super Bowl moment, you know, like I used to just go to the movie theater every week and now with releases scattered, you can't, cause there's just not that much stuff coming out. And so to have a theater packed again was you know, nice, ultimately. Um, hopefully I don't get COVID and die. <laughs> I guess we'll see. Um, the next film I'm going to talk about is The Power of the Dog. This is a film on Netflix. Um, uh, it's It had a short theatrical release, uh, 12 years since Jane Campion, the director's last film, and... Um, I'm making notes so that way I can make timestamps for once, because I know that that's been an issue. Um, I thought this movie was excellent. It's obviously been playing festivals and has been an award frontrunner for a little bit, and people have talked about the Benedict Cumberbatch performance as pretty transformative. Um, I genuinely didn't know that he had that in him. Because I think it's, it might be the best performance of the year. Um, it's extraordinary. And he really carries the movie on a lot of his back. But it also has a fantastic supporting uh, cast with Jesse Plemons and Kirsten Dunst and Cody Smith-McPhee. Um, and production design, cinematography, the music by Johnny Greenwood is just phenomenal. I was really knocked back by it. I didn't expect it to really hit as hard as it did, um, but it, it's such a good like character study and performance piece, and it it does have some kind of no country esque elements, which obviously is going to get me and um, kind of that like neo western feel. But I just thought it was phenomenal. I, th- I thought it was really really above and beyond, and. Um, Definitely one of the better movies I've seen this year. Um, so I'm feeling a 4.5 out of 5 for Power of the Dog. That might go up. That might go... I don't think it'll go down, but it, I think on a rewatch or something, it, it could It could definitely go up or with time. Um, if that performance kind of stands amongst the others this year is like one of the better performances of the year or, you know, since a really long time. Um... I think it. I think it could really hit, and uh, I would. I would highly recommend it. It's available on Netflix now. Um, there's no time that it's like going to go away or anything. So just you know, if you have Netflix, you can watch it. Uh, it's called Power of the Dog. Highly, highly recommend it. Um, think it's think it's really, really one of the best uh, of the year. A movie that I saw really uh, c- quite a while ago was Venom Two, um, which I was kind of dreading going into it. Um, Because I was like, oh god, this is gonna be dog shit. Because all the promotional material looked really bad, and, um, it just didn't look great going in. But, I thought it was actually, like, really fun. It was short to the point, pretty standard structure. Um, not every joke landed, but it was just, like, a fun in-and-out experience, um, Again, I'm a big Spider-Man fan, so just watching Carnage and Venom beat the shit out of each other for, you know, thirty minutes out of the ninety minutes that's there was fun. Like it was, it was just an enjoyable experience. Um, not as enjoyable as Spider-Man. Not like a absolute you must go out and go see this, but like if you're a Spider-Man fan or um, you're looking for something kind of dumb and fun, like I don't think it's essential viewing this year, but I'd give it like a three out of five. I thought I thought it was a fun movie. Um, CGI looked a lot better than I actually expected and uh, it was just you know pretty pretty great I I was really really surprised I think that's one of the most surprising movies of the year because I was going in really expecting like this is gonna be complete dog shit <laughs> and it really wasn't so that's my thoughts on Venom too I thought um, I thought it was I thought it was uh, I thought it was a little bit better than I had expected um, going in. Uh, Something that was not better than I expected um, was the Many Saints of Newark, which uh, gave me some strong El Camino energy of just, like, why does this exist? But in all of the worst ways, because at least El Camino is an enjoyable ride that's technically well-made and um, has some really, really great performances. Uh, Many Saints of Newark has none of that. Um... The main character is interesting, and um, Michael Gandolfini's son, who's playing a young Tony Soprano, like, I think that those are the standouts. I think everyone else in this movie is, like, pretty awful. Um, Yeah, I I did not like this. Um, I thought it was technically ill-made. Performances were all over the place. The pacing was off. It just felt... Just really bad. I, I thought it was incredibly disappointing, and and really missed the spirit of what The Sopranos was. Um, I'm feeling a 1.5 out of five on The Many Saints of Newark. I thought it was I thought it was quite atrocious. <laughs> I thought it was um, even for like a obvious cash grab film. I thought it was uh, kind of dog shit. I don't really use that term lightly, but I thought I thought it. Kinda sucked, and it was, and was boring at parts. That was the most surprising part, was that it was actually quite, like, boring. Um, speaking of boring, uh, I guess now we'll talk about Eternals. <laughs> Why the fuck is this movie three hours long? Um, there's elements of Eternals that I can respect. I mean, they took a shot in the dark, and they got a director that, you know, has some potential. Um, but... Man, like, I don't really know what the plan was with this, because none of the characters hit, because they're really not on screen long enough to have those moments, um, and then whenever they are, they disappear, and a lot of the CGI just look like dog shit, I mean it just looked bad, it, it looked like they like lost their budget halfway through, but it's it's Disney and Marvel, so like that shouldn't happen. And it just, it felt so long. I mean, I, I really can't, I, I didn't enjoy any part of it. I think that that's the problem, is that for three hours, I was sitting there just kind of going like, okay, um, and it was just, it was just so boring, and for a movie that had a, quite a bit of potential, um, it's really disappointing to say that it, it really is one of the worst movies of the year, um. I'm gonna redact my score because at least this movie is trying, um, a little bit on some fronts. I might not care enough to actually go uh, revise the review on Letterboxd. Um, oh shit! This is what happens whenever you record solo as your dog runs through and knocks over your phone. Um, or your, you know, your mic. Uh, yeah, Eternals is fucking bad. Um. If you're a Marvel fan, you might like it, but even people that I think are in the Marvel circle really don't like it. I'm giving it a 1 out of 5, because at least it's trying, which is more than I can say for some Marvel stuff. Um, yeah, not not good. Um, something that clearly isn't trying at all, though, is uh, Red Notice, which I think... Um, at this point, between this and Free Guy, I can I can declare that Ryan Reynolds is uh, sent from hell directly to destroy the film industry from the inside out. What a fucking just piece of shit slog, like, unenjoyable movie. I mean, every bit of charisma that The Rock has on screen is just voided up by Gal Gadot and bad CGI and a terrible script. Um, just, yeah, not... Not good and and also the fact that it's not good, but it, it also just represents like the worst that film has to offer in twenty twenty two and kind of the reasons why people aren't super interested in investing in films that actually are good, like Power of the Dog and you know, stuff that I'll talk about later on, is because then they get hit with stuff like this, which is just such a drop in quality from even stuff that we had a year or two ago um obviously performances are bad production design dog shit um cinematography is bad because they do the shaky cam michael bay shit just like a failure all around it's uh it's somewhat embarrassing i think that this is definitely like a top i don't know if it's actually the worst thing that netflix has released because netflix releases a lot of dog shit and they're kind of notorious for that um, but this is definitely amongst, like, one of their worst original films, um, and sadly this won't be the only time they're on the list for that. Uh, there's, there's some other stuff they've released this year that's, uh, quite, quite baffling, um, which is so weird, because they've, they've had such a hit with a lot of stuff, I think, like, Bo Burnham's Inside Special this year was really, really great, Power of the Dog was great, I'm gonna talk about Tick, Tick, Boom later, which I had, like, pretty positive feelings on, um, but then they release stuff like this, and and I'm gonna talk about the unforgivable later, um, that are just so bad. I mean, just like a really awful. Um, there's like a there's a definite quality drop that they they have, or where some of the stuff that they have has such excellent resources and, and is phenomenal. You think of stuff like Marriage Story or Beasts of No Nation, and then like it, they just release like some of the most bland shit, like. This in Bird Box where you're just like, what the fuck is this? Like, why is this? Why put so many resources into this, you know? And I'm, I'm sure that there's, like, people, you know, that would click on it, obviously. I mean, the numbers that they've said about this movie are insane. They've said that it's, like, the most watched movie that they've ever had on their platform. And all the metrics that they give say that it's, like, the biggest box office thing. Now... Those are all internal numbers, so they're absolute bullshit. I really doubt that there's that many people that are actually clicking on red notice. Or if they are, the way that Netflix judges their metrics, they're clicking on it for five seconds or just hovering over the screen that plays the trailer. And then it goes directly in the movie. And if if they play it for a minute, then Netflix logs that is that they've watched the movie, which is, um, you know, obviously them trying to bolster their metrics and stuff like that. Yeah, no, not good. Really, really fucking bland and dog shit, and just like one of the worst movies of the entire year. Um, I was, I was shocked. Um, a movie that I really, really wanted to love because I love the director and I really, really love um, a lot of the people that are involved in it, and maybe I need to rewatch it or something. Um, is Dune? I found this movie to be quite bland and. And really fall into a lot of stereotypical action movie trends that I thought were kind of higher of him. And maybe it's because I'm not crazy about the Dune um, series. I'm a big uh, David Lynch fan. And I think that Dune is maybe the worst movie that he's made. Um, Actually, I would say probably the worst movie he's made by a pretty large margin. Um, and, uh, And I don't think his interpretation of it is awful. I think it's like, again... Decent, probably a two, but um, which is like good for me. Um, cause I'm I'm pretty rough on films, but um, I thought that this was just like kind of generic. I, I thought Stellan Skarsgård as the villain was like good, and I thought Timmy, uh, Timothy Chalamet's performance was was kind of bland. Um, which is you know bizarre because I I really like him in a lot of stuff. Um, Oscar Isaac brings it. I thought Josh Brolin was kind of phoning in his performance. Like, it just felt... It felt a little bizarre. I mean, whenever one of your better performers in the movie is Jason Momoa, I think that you kind of have... He has, like, a rock-like charisma, but he's not, you know, an Oscar-nominee-style actor. So, I just... I don't... I don't know. Maybe whenever the second part comes out, it'll fill in better and bigger and all that and it, you know i appreciate a movie like this getting a big theatrical release and, and people giving it a chance a movie that's coming from an auteur filmmaker who has quite a budget and quite a cast and i really did want to like root for this movie and champion it and say that it's like one of the better movies of the year but it's just i can't because um, i just didn't enjoy it i just didn't i didn't love it and I think that's uh, it's one of the more disappointing movies I've seen this year. Not that I was going in with super high hopes, but I just I love Denis Villeneuve's movie so much. Um, I'm looking over and I've got, you know, Prisoners is on my shelf, Sicario's on my shelf. Um, I love Enemy, I love, you know, pretty much everything he's done, Arrival. Um. Which I know is like a big. <laughs> AJ hates that movie, but I I I love Arrival. I think it's really really solid. Um, and then obviously like Blade Runner twenty forty nine and stuff like that. Um, I just think he has like such a solid filmography. And even going back further into some of his other films, um, that people are probably considerably more unaware of. Um, kind of before he found his voice as a filmmaker. This just feels off. It feels like it didn't quite hit, and sure, it has a lot of technical merits, and sure, it should be nominated for a lot of technical things, but it just feels—I don't know. It feels—it feels bizarrely lifeless, um, which might be the point. Um, but I'm not—I'm not really crazy about it, and you know, I'm—I'm I'm glad that people got the interpretation that they want or whatever. But the idea of this stealing. <laughs> Or kind of taking another four years from Velnouve's like career where he could probably go off and go do something considerably more interesting. I mean, I just compare it to I mean, the Blade Runner comparison is so obvious because with Blade Runner, he's taking a franchise that's been done before and interpreting it in a new and like really fascinating way, while also staying pretty true to like the merit of what made Blade Runner great. And in this I just I kinda don't know what the fuck he's doing. I mean, it feels like it's way more obsessed with Spectacle than Substance, and I would probably narrow it down to that as my my point of view. Again, technically well made, but just uh, pretty bland for me overall. I just, like, I didn't really find any of it riveting, and and I saw it in theaters. I saw it, you know, within the first, you know, I saw it a couple weeks after it had released, but um, around, like, November-ish, but... uh, like I think it was like November tenth or something like that or eleventh, um, sometime around there, and uh, I just didn't I didn't love it and I really I am I'm, I'm sad to say that because I, I thought that uh, I really really would adore it so much and it just it kind of did nothing for me. Um, now, however, there is a movie that came out around the same time that I watched Dune that I I did love. That'd be Spencer, um, the Kirsten Dunst, or the uh, Kristen Stewart, rather, um, performance piece about Lady, uh, or Princess Diana. Holy shit, I'm fucking up my words. Um, about kind of a weekend away, around Christmas. Um, that serves as not only just a great performance piece, and, and actually, like, a bizarrely fantastic Christmas movie, um, but probably the best, in like, encapsulation of anxiety that i've ever seen um it's kind of part the shining um and then part the crown and some other things moved here and there but just what a like this movie knocked me back like really really hard and i saw it in theaters and um in a pretty like empty theater which was depressing because um, i think that this movie has a lot of merit And it's really, really well made. And I'd seen Jackie, which was the other Pablo Lorraine-directed film that he made before this. Um, but that movie didn't really hit for me. And this really, 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 really did. Um, fantastic, you know, supporting cast with, um, Sally Hawkins and Timothy Spall and just so many little crumbs of people here and there. Um... Amazing costuming. The score by Johnny Greenwood is is maybe my favorite of the year. That being said, I haven't seen everything. Obviously, like, French Dispatch, I haven't seen, which people have been touting as, like, having this phenomenal score. Um, So I'll have to kind of wait and then weigh in later on that. But I thought Spencer was so fucking good. I mean, I, I can't even really formulate, like, why I thought it was so good. Just whenever I think of it, it's like it stands with... This is kind of the metric that I go by, um, for where I would where I would put the movies, in, like, you know, is this really an elite level caliber film? In 2019, there was a run of films that was Midsummer, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, um, Marriage Story, The Irishman. Uh, Uncut Gems, Parasite, The Lighthouse, like it was just a killer's row around award season of films that just like nineteen seventeen. Either technically were super duper well made, performance with wise were really really well made, or were big spectacles like Joker. And I I always like when and you know Midsummer's a five for me. Joker's like a four. Irishman's like a four. Marriage Story's like a four. Um, Uncut Gems, Parasite lighthouse are like fives so there's a lot of movies in there once upon a time in hollywood i think is like a five for me um you know there's a shit ton of movies in that year that have perfect scores and uh i always kind of think whenever i'm about to give a movie a five like would this movie comfortably fit in that caliber of films like could i put it among the ranks of the lighthouse and Parasite? And, and, it, and it still fit. And I think Spencer does. I think Spencer's really probably the most quality film I've seen since the pandemic hit. Um, not that there hasn't been anything phenomenal, but like if this movie would have came out this past year in 2020, it would have been my film of the year. Um, I have to think about whether or not it is this year, because there's there's quite a bit more competition between the Bo Burnham special and Judas and the Black Messiah and the Power of the Dog and Spider-Man. And obviously movies I haven't seen like The Card Counter, which could still be very strong contenders, um, because I love Paul Schrader so much, but Stewart's performance is, is the best performance of the year. That and Cumberbatch are just above and beyond, um... I'd be really, really surprised if she didn't win the Oscar, Um, which is going to piss a lot of people off, but it's a super fantastic performance, and just the pacing, the pacing of the movie, um, the way it's structured, I mean, it's not a direct, like, accurate representation, if you're going in for that, then you're going to be super disappointed, Um, it's a lot more like the social network, where it's, it's more of kind of a caricature of what this person embodies, and in the social network, it's, um, you know, a shithead that kind of fakes his way through um, success and through lying and deception. And in this, it's a it's a caricature of someone who uh, is incredibly depressed in the situation that they're in and is is kind of hopelessly lost. Um, and I just I thought that it was really profound. There's other themes in the movie too. Um, that are best, you know, I don't, I don't really like telling people what the movie's about because I think film is about interpretation and what you take out of it. Um, but yeah, Spencer is just phenomenal, phenomenal. One of the best movies of the year. Um, I'm feeling a five out of five on that one. I don't even really have to think about it. Um, it's, it's, uh, just so solid all around. I thought it was, it was really, 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 really good. Um, Another movie that I thought was actually pretty excellent across the board, um, directed by Ridley Scott, was House of Gucci. Um, I was really, really surprised by House of Gucci um, because I thought it would be campy and bad, but I thought that it had some like really good merit. Um, a lot of really solid performances: Adam Driver, Lady Gaga, Al Pacino feels like uh, less of like a cameo or a character of himself, but more like he actually has a character to kind of dive into in this movie. Um, Jared Leto, surprisingly, very, very good. Um, I know that people are on the fence about that performance because he is, he is hamming it the fuck up. Um, some pacing issues here and there. It's, it's about three hours long. It really doesn't need to be, you could probably cut about 40 minutes of that movie. Um, which sounds like a lot more of a damning statement than it is. Um, music, costumes, really, really good. Um, but yeah, it's those pacing issues and some kind of performance stuff that I'm a little, eh, on. I also just, like, I don't really feel Ridley Scott's directing in it, um, which could be a bad thing or, you know, whatever, um, depending on how you feel about him, um, but, uh, I, I don't think I'll ever rewatch it. It was just, like, a really, really good watch, um, I would recommend, like, this would be, to me, this is, like, the quintessential back when, like, you could go rent movies from a place, um, this would be, like, the ultimate, like, red box rental, where you just you rent the you rent it for a night for like two bucks and then you know or if it's on like FX you record it and then watch it like it, that's kind of where this fills in for me you know it's a it's a campy movie that's fun to watch the first time and then you never really think about it much beyond that um, you know it's uh, it's good, it's good, I would say. Um, I think the Gaga performance is a little overrated. I think that she might actually be kind of the weak point of the movie for me. Um, but yeah, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a, I thought it was a fun like little theater experience. Um, something else I thought was really really enjoyable was the Beatles Get Back on Disney Plus. This is the best thing that Disney has released, I would say on their streaming service um, so far. Um, of like original content, uh, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was I thought it was quite like a good good documentary. Um, definitely has potential to be in my top five by to the end of the year. Um, I haven't really seen that much of Peter Jackson's work. I've, notoriously, I haven't seen the Lord of the Rings movies because they just have never interested me. Um, and I'm waiting probably to watch those with AJ at some point because uh, I know that those are some of his favorite movies all time. Um. Yeah, I just like the the Beatles. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of the band. Like, obviously, I like some of their albums. Um. But uh, like obviously, Sergeant Pepper's is is a classic and stuff like that. But I'm not constantly revisiting the Beatles catalog. Um, as much as some other bands from that era, like you know, obviously the Stones and the Who and stuff like that. Um. Even artists around that time, like uh, Otis Redding or Bill Withers, um, I, I kind of revisit just a little bit more, but I thought it was an interesting documentary, um, really solid, kind of split up into some, like, episodic, uh, it's, it's like three episodes that are about an hour long a piece, um, or two hours long a piece, it's really, really long, it's kind of more of a TV show almost than that, which, which might, I might exempt it from my top ten list just because of that, um, but yeah, I thought I thought it was solid overall. Um, I'm feeling probably a three and a half out of five. Um, really enjoyed watching it because of its length. I probably won't ever, probably won't ever revisit it. But uh, yeah, I thought it was great. Um, another movie that I really really enjoyed was Tick Tick Boom on Netflix. Um, this is the uh, the Andrew Garfield um, musical about the guy who uh, went on to go make the musical Rent. Um, I'm not a big musical person, I really just, like, they make me kind of cringe, and I I get, like, a really uncomfortable. Um, there's a couple of them that I enjoy, I enjoy, like, kind of the, uh, I enjoy La La Land a little bit, and I enjoy, like, Lee Wonk and The Chocolate Factory, but the thing for me with musicals is, like, they really just have to fucking just go for it and they have to be musically sound, I wasn't crazy about the music in this, um, this is like a very modern musical, this is, it's directed by Lin-Manuel Miranda, who, he kind of has, like, I don't know, he just annoys me, he's just his presence, um, he hasn't even done anything that I dislike, I just, I feel bad, because he just, I don't know, I just see him, and I'm like, uh, but, uh, the Anthony Ramos perform. I think it's Anthony Ramos, I forget the supporting actor that's in this, but he's really, really solid, and, um, obviously Garfield, I think Garfield's like one of the best talents we have, um, he's just, he's so solid, he's so good in everything, um, from Silence to even Hacksaw Ridge, which isn't a movie that I love, but I think that he's, he's really excellent in it, um. He's just good in everything. And I hope he gets more work. I have a feeling that he will. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think that he's he's just super-duper solid. I'd love to see him in more stuff. Um, probably the most disappointing movie... Uh, oh, for Tick, Tick, Boom, I'm feeling a 3 uh, three out of 5 on that one. Um, it's available on Netflix. You can watch it on Netflix. Um, yeah, pretty good overall. Um... The most disappointing movie of the year for me uh, is probably this next one that I'm about to talk about. It's Last Night in Soho. Um, this movie just didn't work for me. From uh, some of the performances to the supporting characters um, to the plot being super predictable. And it, it felt—and now that this is a bad thing because obviously there's limitations— but it felt like a COVID production, because there would be like, oh, well, then now there's three people in a room together, and that's it, you know, and it, it did feel like that. Um, Nightmare Alley, to an extent, felt like that, too, but I, I just, like, I thought that this was, like, kind of bad. Um, just really predictable, which is so bizarre coming from Edgar right, because so many of his movies, whether it's Scott Pilgrim or hot fuzz or whatever they 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 really thrive in breaking convention and i think between this and baby driver like those are probably his two worst movies for me um so i kind of don't know what's happening and i don't think baby Driver's is bad but i really do think that it kind of shits itself in the in the final act and uh Not that this movie was entirely void of things. I think, like, Anya Taylor-Joy is really, really good in it. I think Thomas and McKenzie's really, really going for it. And she's really, really great. I think that she's kind of been a standout um, since COVID hit of movies that are just, like, really solid. Even in stuff like Jojo Rabbit, which, like, I really don't like that movie at all. Um, I think she's good in it. I just, I wish that she would have, like, the breakout starring role that I think that she kind of... Uh, deserves because I think in like the media and reviews and stuff, she's kind of been overshadowed by uh, Anya Taylor Joy. So hopefully she gets that. Um, but yeah, last night so in Soho, I wasn't crazy about it. I'm feeling probably a one point five out of five for this one. It won't be on like my end of the year worst list or anything like that. But um, I was not crazy about it really at all. I thought it was. I thought it was really really. Um, not, not good out of 10, probably. Uh, yeah, I was, I was a little bummed out by that one. Um, the next film I watched was King Richard, um, which I thought was good. Um, it reminded me a lot of, like, kind of, you know, 90s, 2000s movies where it's like this kind of uplifting, um, like, you know, sports movie with just a little bit of, Things here and there. I think, like obviously, uh, or I think Moneyball is still the worst, or is still the best. Holy shit, Moneyball is still the best to do that. Um, I think King Richard is just good. Obviously, Will Smith is gonna get a nomination. I'd be surprised if he didn't win. It's just good all around. Like, I don't think the movie excels in anything, but I don't think that it's bad in anything. This is, again, kind of like House of Gucci, like a really, really good, I'm just going to watch it once and then that's it, you know, type of movie. Um, I'm surprised it didn't come out around Christmas. I know that it came in around Thanksgiving, but I'm a little surprised it didn't come around Christmas because one that's later into awards voting, and I think it would probably fare better. But uh, I think it's like a it's a very like Christmassy movie. It's like a family movie. Um, so, uh, a little puzzled there, but I I think it's good. I'd I'd give it a three out of five. I enjoyed watching it. Um, not anything that I'm going to rave about, but, um, good, good ultimately. Really, really solid. Um, another movie that I watched was Belfast, which, uh, if you've been following awards considerations and stuff like that, you know that this is the front runner for director and picture and... Kind of like the behemoth of awards this year, um, in the same way Nomadland was this year, past year, and um, it's it's pegged to win a lot of stuff. I thought this movie was technically well made, and I thought there were some good performances, but nothing about it blew me away. And in the reverse of King Richard a lot of the things that people have been praising or whatever about this movie, I actually found really annoying. Um, I thought that this movie was very Oscar-baity and felt a little pandering and uh, didn't didn't love it. Um, this is kind of the, the typical, at least once a year, there's a movie that is average or just slightly below average average, um, that comes out that is like a behemoth for Oscars. Um, Nomadland was that last year. I I didn't I didn't love that movie. Um, although there are some merits to it, I thought the McDormand performance was good. Um, and then the year before that was night uh, was 1917, which I enjoyed more than most people, but didn't think that it should be among Once Upon a Time of Hollywood and um, Parasite and movies like that. Um, I just didn't find it to be as good as those, despite being pretty decent overall. Um, Belfast I feel the opposite for. Belfast is probably the one that I dislike the most out of all three of those. Um, I'm a little baffled as to why this movie is an award consideration, despite the fact that people just claimed it to be. So now it is, and it showed up at awards, and so people are like, oh, I guess, you know, whatever, um, from festival circuits, but yeah, no, this movie didn't work for me really at all. I thought it was um, quite quite generic, quite quite bland, um, if I do say so. Um, I saw it in Canto. Uh, oh, Belfast, I'm giving it a 2 out of 5. I, I almost don't care enough to even score it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I just, I'm not not crazy about that one. Um, in Canto, which is the new Pixar, uh, I think Pixar, or- disney animated i don't know exactly i saw that as well um pretty good pretty good um good good sound good music good um good animation obviously um this is obviously like disney's bag right like this is what they do so um solid overall i didn't think it was as good as like coco or some of the other more like uh, musical stuff that's come out um but uh I think it's I think it's decent. I think it's like you know a movie that you could pop on Disney plus whenever it comes out later and uh, watch with your kids or whatever it didn't do a whole lot for me um but it's technically well made and and i I definitely see like the merit of it and uh, why people would definitely fuck with it um, one of the better animated movies this year, but there hasn't really been too many so um I'm feeling a three out of five I'm a little lukewarm on it myself but it's definitely better than I think it is. I definitely have like a bias because it's an animated musical, so I'm not gonna like it as much as probably I should. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, three out of five. I think it's. I think it's fine. I think it's good. Um, probably the worst movie I've seen this year. Uh, let's just fucking get into it because this is uh, this is this is really kind of dog shit. Um, maybe the most offensive. Movie I've seen this year, not because of actually anything that it does that's offensive, but just because of its like consistent product placement and um, inability to do anything original without baiting nostalgia. Um, this film is just scattered with fucking references, and it's just like, hey, remember that? Remember that? Remember that? And then has an incredibly weak third act, and and is really really bad about building characters throughout its runtime. Um, that's Ghostbusters Afterlife. Um, I'm not gonna say really anything about this movie beyond that, because I think it's a massive piece of shit, and I think that it's, um, somewhat irredeemable and really, really bad. Um, this is now kind of my benchmark for bad films. Um, CGI looks bad, performances bad, production design bad, um, music, I mean, they don't even play the Ghostbusters theme until the credits roll. Um... Which is, if you're baiting nostalgia, like, what the fuck? Uh, 0.5 out of 5. Um, complete dog shit. This will definitely be in the top 5 worst movies of the fucking year. I just don't know if I want to, uh, let's see if, let's see if Ryan Reynolds, uh, commits any more sins before the end of the year. So that way I can, um, you know, really figure out where the placement should be. You know, who should, who should be beholden upon the worst of the year. Um, the next movie I saw was Come On, Come On. Um, I was really not impressed. I thought this movie was boring. Um, Joaquin Phoenix is good, great performances, but I think this movie kind of fails to say anything. And, uh, I was... I don't really understand why it was in black and white. I don't really think that that adds anything to it. Um, kind of meanders in the scenes where Joaquin Phoenix is, like, interviewing these kids. And then the music would kick up, so I couldn't even hear what the fuck they were saying. Um... Yeah, um, kind of disappointing. I was a little shocked that I didn't love it, especially since it's an A twenty four film that um, should have really hit on all cylinders. But I'm feeling probably a two out of five on that one. I I was a little lukewarm on it. Um, not that it's bad; it's like technically well made, and there's like good aspects of it. But it just I'm never going to watch it again or really think about it. Um, which is a bummer because I I really did want to love it quite a bit and i just i couldn't um the next film i saw was west side story um i really enjoyed this despite the ansel elgortness of it all um you can just do a just do a google search if you're not familiar because um, i'm not really going to go into any of that stuff but um i think that despite allegations i think that he is a. Uh, a void of charisma, which kind of sucks because everyone else in this movie is up upstaging him, whether that's Mike Feist or uh, Ariana Du Bois. I forgot how you say her name. Um, great performances across the board. One of the better Spielberg movies he's released recently. Um, I'd be surprised not to see him in the director conversation for the Oscars. Um, I know he's in the conversation, but among the nominees, I guess. Um, yeah, really solid overall. Music kind of hit for me. Um... Obviously a remake of a classic film um, that I actually wasn't crazy about when I watched it the first time. I don't I don't love the original West Side Story, um, but uh, solid overall. Again, m- a bit of a musical skew. I kind of feel the same way I feel about this with uh, Tick-Tick-Boom, except I think that the, the performances in this are slightly worse than Garfield's performance in Tick-Tick-Boom because he carries that movie on his shoulder, and the technical aspects of West Side Story are better than that in Tick-Tick-Boom. Um, but the editing in Tick Tick Boom is better, so it, but the cinematography in West Side Story is better, so they kind of level out, so I'm giving this one a 3 out of 5. Um, good overall, uh, really, really solid, um, enjoyed it, thought it was pretty great, um. The next movie I saw was The Unforgivable. One out of five dog shit um, fits in the Netflix category of bad movies that they release from time to time. I'm not even going to bother to give this one a timestamp because who gives a fuck? Um, Sandra Bullock needs to get a new agent, as does Amy Adams. Um, Yeah, not not good. Um, The next movie I saw was Nightmare Alley, which uh, is out in some areas and isn't in others and has become quite difficult to see. Um I thought this was really really good. I thought that this was probably I don't think it's as good as Shape of Water. I was one of the people who actually did like Shape of Water. Um but like a pretty interesting performance from Bradley Cooper. Um good performance from Kate Blanchett. Kind of wooden performance from Rooney Mara, which is a little bizarre for me to say. That's going to sound like I'm shitting on Joaquin and Rooney, but I I love Rooney Mara and um girl with dragon tattoo and some of the other stuff she's been in. Um, pretty good overall. Great production design. Defoe, Colette are really, really good in it. Um, Richard Jenkins, just really, really solid overall. Um, Cinematography is on point. Music's on point. If you've seen a Guillermo del Toro movie, you kind of know what you're probably getting into. My one thing that I have this kind of a gripe with this movie is that. I wish that the movie had the feel that it does in the last 20 minutes throughout the entire thing, because I think that that's the standout part of the movie. I think the first act and the last 20 minutes are really incredible, and then the rest of the movie is kind of, not a flat line, but a pretty stagnant plateau of like a 6 or 7 out of 10 um, throughout it, but then it really soars in those opening and, and ending parts. Um, I'm feeling a 3.5 out of five for Nightmare Alley. Kind of a light, light 3.5. Um, I didn't hate it. I, I was, I was a little. Eh, we'll see how this goes, because a lot of the movies from big directors have been pretty disappointing this year. Um, going back to like Last Night in Soho, but um, it really hit. I thought it was, I thought it was good. It's a light 3.5 out of five, so it could, it could drop to three. Um, but I could also see, upon re-examination, it going back up to a four. Um, but I think that that middle, the middle kind of segments of it, where they're building up a lot of stuff, um, was, uh, that'll hit and that'll miss for some people. And for me, it, it hit, but it hit very lightly, um, with some kind of trepidation around things. I'm trying not to spoil stuff, because it's a movie that, even if you've seen the original, has a lot of interpretation about what the story means and 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 plays with them some things and is also like 40 minutes longer so um it, and you don't have to see the original to really uh to get into it. Um wow, that was a very efficient episode. Um just knocking out some stuff. I'm going to do questions. Um I I took some from kind of a scattering of episodes that we've had before. Um So I don't have, like, the names of people. We're going to start doing that, I think we're going to start, like, saying who submitted the question or whatever. Um, Just to shout some of you guys out and stuff like that. Um, Because the podcast has actually been picking up quite a bit of traction. I have, like, a couple personal friends who have started listening to it. And then um, just kind of random people here and there and and stuff like that. um, Who've said that they really like it. And I'd like to get into a, um, a regular swing of things with it, because um, when AJ's not busy for work stuff or school stuff, um, I'm either just working or really not doing anything. So that's time that I'm watching movies, um, because it's, it's probably my biggest passion. Um, and I like music, and I like video games and stuff like that as well. I like all media. But film specifically is really kind of my lynch point and my my stratosphere of information and stuff like that. Um, And so AJ has not been able to watch a lot of the stuff um, that's on this list. Like, he hasn't seen Spencer. He has not seen, um, I don't think he's seen Last Night in Soho. He hasn't seen King Richard. He hasn't seen uh, Belfast, come on, come on. So he can't really give his take on it, and he probably won't watch the ones that I've given a low score, because he normally agrees with me. Um, I know he's seen Eternals, I think he's seen Dune, I think he has seen... I know he's seen Venom 2, I know he's going to see Spider-Man. I want him to watch Power of the Dog, I keep on bullying him about it. Um, but, uh, and I think he'll see Nightmare Alley at some point, and, and maybe some of the others. Um... I know he'll see French Dispatch at some point, and and maybe Bond. Um, There's stuff that I still haven't seen either, so um, just to get this out of the way, because I know people have been kind of curious, um, my top ten albums is on my Instagram, at muchlikedonline. I don't really see the point of doing an episode talking about it, because where you can talk about film, albums are obviously much better heard, so... um, I have my top 10 on there with some honorable mentions, so if you want to scroll through there, it's like a highlighted story, Um, and I'm just going to post it there. I don't know if AJ wants to do a list himself of his top 10, or what, or if he's just going to post that, or whatever, but you can follow him at Virtual Menu on Instagram, that's V-I-R-T-U-A-L-M-A-I-N-Y-U, it used to be AJ99, but he changed it, so... Thanks for making things more confusing. Um got to bully him even whenever he's not here. Um Yeah, I I I hope, but we'll definitely do like our top 10 around probably mid to late January because by that time Spencer will have been out on Blu-ray, so he will have the opportunity to watch that. Probably going to buy the Blu-ray and just send him the digital code. Um and French Dispatch will be out, so I'll be able to watch or I'll be able to pick up that um, Last Duel and Card Counter are out, but um, I have not seen those, so that'll give me time to watch those. And then um, Don't Look Up comes out on Netflix on Christmas. Um, but I hate doing the end-of-the-year list like right as January hits, because there's always stuff that you haven't seen, so giving yourself kind of a month to catch up. Um, and also see other people's lists, because sometimes there's movies that people aren't actively talking about as the year goes on, but then as movies kind of, people put their lists together, you notice, All right, so this list has this at number four, and this also has it at number two, and then there becomes a circulation around another movie again that becomes a pretty essential part of the year. Um... That was kind of what happened with Parasite. Um, And obviously that was one of the better movies of that year. I mean, it had a really, really strong festival run as well, but then people were really championing it once it came to year-end lists, and then obviously Oscar voting happened. Um, So probably do those around, again, mid to late January. Um, just to give time for the list to really form and and to see more stuff, quite frankly, and give time to him over his kind of Christmas break from school and work um, to, to watch more stuff. Um, Alright, question number one, what did you pick up in November for the Criterion sale? I actually pulled all the stuff that I bought off of the shelf, um, so I'm just going to go through it real quick. I bought The Last Temptation of Christ, um, which is directed by Martin Scorsese, starring Willem Dafoe as Jesus Um, La Haine, which is a movie that I haven't seen, a 1995 French film. Um, Vengeance is Mine, which is a Japanese film from 1979 about a serial killer. Um, have not seen that, but I've heard that that's a pretty big, uh, component of some of the darker Fincher movies. Mishima, A Life in Four Chapters, a film by Paul Schrader. I watched this when I was in college, but I haven't seen it since then, um, which would have been around 2016, 2017. Um... Heard really really good things about it. Need to rewatch it. Um, I've seen it, but I saw like bits and pieces of it. Um, the next film is The Friends of Eddie Coyle. Um, directed by uh, who directed this? Peter Yates. Um, came out in 1973, so kind of pre scorsese um the next film I picked up was paths of du- uh, glory which is a 1957 World War one film uh starring Kirk Douglas directed by Stanley Kubrick have not seen it um being John Malkovich uh, picked this up because it's the first movie that we talked about on the podcast so it has uh, a lot of meaning for me um and I've actually I need to re-examine the movie I've seen it before and I've seen other um, Charlie Kaufman written movies since then. My favorite of those being Anomalisa, which I might, um, I might start doing a series on movies that's like about stuff that I've watched um, and just doing little fifteen to twenty minute kind of video essay thoughts on stuff that I like. That may or may not be movies. So let me know if you uh, actually want to see that. Um, trying to get more content on this show, even when there's not really stuff to talk about. Um, Stanley Kubrick's *Doctor Strangelove* or *How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb* um, have not seen it. Probably the biggest blind spot, other than *Lord of the Rings*, in my film watching world. *Twin Peaks*, *Fire Walk with Me*. Um, I just finished watching all of Twin Peaks, have not seen this yet, will be watching soon. Um, And then Funny Games by Michael Haneke, I've seen the 2006 version of this, which is a remake, shot for shot in English, of this film from 1997, let me look at the, yep, 1997, Um, have not seen this version, so, but I've heard that it's slightly better in certain elements, um, yeah, so that's what I picked up, I picked up quite a bit of shit. And then I bought, um, the Uncut Gems 4K for myself and AJ for his Christmas gift. Um, I opened mine and my disc was fucked. The 4K disc was, like, shattered inside of it. Um, it looked like someone had pressed the disc in and whenever they did it cracked down one of the lines. And then there was another little small pressure crack on the other side. So, it is not going to be playable. Um... And so I opened his to make sure that the same thing didn't happen, because I could hear one of the discs rattling, and his was completely fine. Um, so I'm going to I'm gonna try to return mine and get him a sealed copy. If they don't, because it's been over a month since I purchased it, um, then I will just give him the one that isn't completely fucked. Um, so that was another thing that I picked up, a little unfortunate story behind that. Criterion's still great, you should still support them. A massive part of film conservation and uh, really doing, like, God's work. But, um, unfortunately, some things happen. Maybe I can mail the discs to them and or take a photo of it and they would send me one. I don't know. Um, movies that I haven't seen this year, I kind of covered that. Um, French Dispatch, Bond, Last Duel, Licorice Pizza. Those are the big four. Once I see those four, and Matrix. Um, once I see those four in Matrix, I feel like I can comfortably say... My top ten, despite some foreign films like Worst Person in the World and stuff like that not really being um, playing around here because uh, people uh, are racist where I live. Um, Favorite Spider-Man villain, question number three. Uh, My favorite would be Green Goblin, but um, I have a soft spot for Dr. Octopus, and I have a, um, I really, who else would I really like? I like Venom. I like Carnage. Um... Shocker was always funny to me, because he's kind of a jobber. He's kind of like a shit... Like, he loses really quick. I think Mysterio's really cool. I like Lizard a lot. Um, rhino was always fun to fight in the video games and stuff, because he would just run in a flat platform. But I like the Rhino with the actual Rhino on his head, than the mechanical one, like the mech. Um... I don't know. I like so many of the villains. Um, Is J. Jonah Jameson a villain? He's pretty... I like him. Um, I'm trying to think of more people that are Spider-Man villains that I really, really like. I'm gonna go ahead and stick with... I'll pick three. I'll go Green Goblin, Venom, and... Who's a villain that I can pick that's gonna... People are gonna be, like... Upset at me for... Or, like, an obscure one that I can pick. I'm gonna say Mysterio. I just... I like Mysterio. He's just cool. Um, but Goblin's my favorite. Um, and I, I really like Venom a lot, too. So, I don't know. I just... I like Spider-Man. And I like the world of Spider-Man. And I like the villains of Spider-Man. They're all really sick. Um, most anticipated movie for the year of 2022, um, The Northman, and then The Batman are the two. Um, Disappointment Boulevard, the Ari Aster, walking Phoenix movie, uh, I'm excited for. Whatever the next thing the Safdies brothers do, I'm interested in. Um, Killers of the Flower Moon, which is the Martin Scorsese, Jesse Plemons, Leonardo DiCaprio movie. Very excited for that. Um, another one that people may or may not know about, but I hope is, is super good, and I'm, I'm really excited for it, because I think it could be, have a lot of potential, is a movie called Bullet Train, which is starring Brad Pitt, and is made by the guys that made John Wick, because um, I don't think they're doing part four, I think they're doing that instead, or they're splitting their time on it, um, that movie, from all accounts, sounds fucking sick, and I love Brad Pitt. So just watching him super murder people in an action movie sounds cool to me. Um, and I don't know what else is coming out. I mean, I kind of circle through like my my uh, directors that I really like. You know, I think like if Trey Edward Schultz, who made uh, It Comes at Night and Waves, came out with another movie, like I think it's about it's about time for him to kind of be teasing something but I don't know what he's working on. Um, Fincher has a new movie with Netflix starring Michael Fassbender and Tilda Swinton. That could be super solid because it's the same screenwriter as Seven. Um, Even though I wasn't crazy about it, if they do a Dune Part 2, which I I don't think would come out next year, but would probably be about two years away, maybe three years away, they probably still have a lot of those sets that they can build off of. Um, I would love to see those, but... Because The Lighthouse is one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, Definitely my favorite modern film. I always have to think about it because it's so difficult for me to think of. Obviously, the Coen brothers won't be coming out with anything soon because they just finished Macbeth. Um, I think Wes Anderson has another movie coming out next year as well. I'm kind of rambling. The two that that are in contention for me is the Northman* and the Batman. Big Batman fan. Um, I'm a bigger Spider-Man fan, but... The Batman movies are typically better and have more to say and are more interesting. And obviously this one looks like it's kind of gonna be a big deal. Um with Paul Dano and Robert Pattinson. It has some like legitimate like it has some people working on it. Um I'm a little hit and miss with Matt Reeves because I I did, I I liked some of the Planet of the Apes movies and then other ones, but I don't find myself revisiting them. So I'm curious what he's going to do with it. It seems like it is basically David Fincher directs the Batman, which is, uh, it won't have the craft behind it that Fincher would put behind the lens. or And Fincher always puts a twist on things that you're not expecting, so um, it won't be as good as those expectations, but um, I'm keeping my expectations low and just hoping for the best because um, that movie's either really, really going to hit or it's going to... I think it's a movie that... Um, when, when new Mortal Kombat games, let me specify games, come out, um, to me, I'm always like, well, it's going to be good, I just don't know how good it's going to be, um, because something like Mortal Kombat 9, I thought was like 9 out of 10, and then something like Mortal Kombat 10, I was like, well, this is an 8, and play as much as the other ones, and then Mortal Kombat 11 came out, and I was like, this is a 10 out of 10, this is the best one in the franchise, so... It could, and I platinumed that game in like a week. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a little trepidatious, but I think the Batman. It's like one of those movies where you're like, "This is gonna be good." I just don't know if it's gonna be a seven and a half or a ten. And obviously, everyone hopes for a ten. Um, next, the final question. Uh, damn, this was a really. We did this in like an hour and five minutes. I'm, I'm, I'm impressed with myself, the ability to just rant. Like a fucking lunatic. Um, favorite movie you've seen this year that didn't actually come out this year? Um, I have a couple that I watched that I was I was really, really big on. Obviously, I watched Twin Peaks over the course of the year, and I loved that. Um, I dived into a lot of Akira Kurosawa films early in the year, so I watched Dreams and Ran... I'd obviously, I've seen um, Seven Samurai and stuff like that before. I really love both of those. I might, with that thing that I was talking about, doing the episodes about stuff that I like, I might do an episode just talking about Kurosawa films. Because um, his films don't feel like they've aged. Um, my throat is starting to get really fucking dry. Um... What else did I watch this year? I watched um, I rewatched Groundhog Day, which I'd seen before, but I kind of grew an appreciation for that movie again because I hadn't seen it in like three years. Um, Killing Them Softly I liked a lot. That's the Brad Pitt like gangster movie. It's really slow, but I I enjoyed it. Um, I watched Children of Men this year. I loved that. I didn't realize how much The Last of Us had just kind of yoinked that movie's whole shit, um, which made me made me dislike the first Last of Us game um, slightly. And um, I don't dislike it, but it just it made me grow less appreciation. I rewatched, or I watched all of Scorsese's short films because I bought the uh, Scorsese Shorts thing early in uh, around. I forget if it was June or July that Criterion did their first sale of the year, but um, I picked it up when I did that. I watched Blood Simple for the first time this year. I really, really loved that. I think that's one of my favorite Coen Brothers movies. I'd give that one like a five. Um, I watched Memories of Murder for the first time this year. Loved that. Watched My the Gap. I loved that movie. I watched um, Good Morning, the Ozu film. I adore that movie. Because um, it, it's like it's a, the prototype for sitcoms. Like, good ones. Um, that movie is like a comfortable... Very, very comfortable. Um, very cozy feeling. Um, what else did I watch this year for the first time? Um... If I had to pick one thing, gun to the head, like, scenario for the, f- the movie that I watched for the first time this year that I really, 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 really loved. Um, oh, I, I watched Possessor for the first time this year because it wasn't available to me when it came out in 2020. Um, that would probably be my film of the year in 2020 if we were able to go back and redo that. I really like that movie. I like its themes. I like what it's saying a lot. Um, a movie that AJ bullies me because I haven't seen it, but I know a lot about it. It's like normally when I don't see a movie like Lord of the Rings, I I don't really know anything about it going in because I'm I'm bad about seeing spoilers and I hate other film criticism so much, unless it's Adam Neiman or The Ringer uh, or Cinemascope or some of the other you know stuff like every uh, every frame of painting. Um, but i I dislike so much film speak shit that um and there's there's good stuff out there. I might do you know what I think that that might be the first episode of the thing that I do because i I do want to highlight other people who do do really, really great content about film and stuff like that um, <clears throat> oh, hmm. the best thing I watched this year was cruising, which is a Willem Friedkin movie um, about Al Pacino, he goes he's in New York, he's a police officer, and there's a serial killer who's killing gay men specifically and he is supposed to kind of navigate through New York's gay community and find this serial killer um This is one of the most dark, depraved, fucked up movies I've ever seen that also has one of the funniest scenes I've ever seen in a movie ever, um, which is when Pacino is in the police interrogation office because they don't know that he is, like, a secret cop. Um, and if you've seen it, you've seen it. If you know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. Um... Yeah, I was, like, blown away by it. I thought it was super fucking good, and I want to dive into more of Friedkin's stuff because uh, the only things that I had seen from him was The Exorcist, which I adore, and To Live and Die in L.A., I think, is the other movie he did that I also really, really liked but didn't love as much as The Exorcist and don't love as much as Cruising. Um, Cruising, to me, is right up there with The Exorcist. I think it's super good. It's super far up my alley. I had never even heard of it um, before. But um, I had gone into one of my local movie stores. I'll give them a plug. Vintage Stock. Um, The one up on 32nd Street, if you know what I'm talking about. Um, That one I had gone to. And um, I was just looking for stuff. And uh, I found cruising and it said William Friedkin, and it said Al Pacino. And I just re-watched The Exorcist on HBO Max. And I was like... And then I bought the Blu-ray the same day. Because um, I think... Best Buy was doing a sale on some of their Halloween stuff that they didn't sell in January slash February of earlier this year. And then I saw cruising, and I was like, what the fuck is this? And I picked it up immediately because I was on a big... Pacino run. I had, I had just rewatched Dog Day Afternoon and Heat, and uh, I watched it. Oh, and I'd watched Insomnia because we had we had talked about that movie on the podcast. Because um, that's, that's I think it's still AJ's favorite movie. Um, the one with Pacino and uh, Hillary Swank and another person that I won't spoil because his name's not on the box. And if you haven't seen the movie, going into it blind and having that actor revealed to you is very cool, especially in this day, because that actor is no longer with us. Um, but cruising was so good, like just on a technical aspect, the feel of it, the music, it was so fucking dirty feeling. It felt so gross, and I can't eat and watch that movie at the same time. It's like the only movie that I I had like a I forget what I was trying to eat. I was trying to eat cookies. And it was so gross, like the atmosphere was so disgusting and upsetting. I couldn't even I couldn't eat like anything. I couldn't drink anything. I was like I was like sweating watching it. Um and that I don't really get again, I love Fincher and I can watch Mindhunter like it's a fucking popcorn film, you know. Like I, I can just watch that shit with really no conscience about it. Um But that movie like upset me. A lot. Um, and then the ending. I thought was just brilliant. So. Uh, like a brilliant commentary on the police force. And all that stuff. Um, the male psyche. Things like that. I just thought it was so so interesting. Such an interesting character piece. And such a bizarre movie to come out. When it did. I think it came out in 1981. Um, and it's like the movie that he did. Not right after the exorcist. But like pretty. Soon after, which at that time The Exorcist was still the highest grossing film ever. Um, that wasn't Gone with the Wind, so like it's a pretty big deal to come out with something like that around that time um, with a shit ton of taboo subjects. But I loved it. I thought it was. I thought it was great. So I'm glad whoever whoever I need to go back and figure out who uh, who asked that question because that's a damn good that's a damn good question. Um, yeah, so that was the first solo episode. Um, I'm I might do more of these where I just kind of rant about stuff that I've seen, or stuff that I really really like, and uh, make them into kind of like mini episodes or whatever, or you know, rant about how the Celtics keep losing in the NBA season. Um, so yeah, that's that. Thank you for listening to the Roll Credits Podcast. You can follow me at MuchLikedOnline. Make sure that you subscribe to the podcast on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Um. hopefully more episodes come out soon I kind of have a pipeline for things that I want to talk about and stuff that I might Um, I might kind of do an episode right before we do our top 10s of me going over everything that I hadn't seen and then my thoughts on those in the same style that I did this Um, and uh, yeah I guess that's that thanks for listening see you guys